Welcome back to Fearless as Fuck, the podcast. I'm your host, Christina Lauren. I have been um, going over uh, how to say my guest's last name for the last like 10 minutes, and I'm going to I'm gonna say it correctly. Eli Redoblado. There you yes, go. Yes, fuck yes. Okay, when we put his, his name up on the screen, he has Eli Water Bottle Redoblado. Oh my God, I did it. And I was like, I think we're just going to go with Water Bottle. I don't know if I can say this. <laughs> I guess I guess from now on my last name is just gonna be forever water bottle. I I'm here for it. I want to know where that came from, but also want to just in, quickly introduce you guys to my guest. This is my friend Eli. Eli works in the industry with me here in Las Vegas, and I when I became friends with Eli, I noticed that he posts a lot about mental health. He's a mental health advocate, also retired military, and I just thought it would be really cool to pop him on the podcast because he's taken some time to share some pretty vulnerable things on the internet. And if you've been listening to this podcast before, we do talk a lot about mental health, um, all the things that come with it, and what it really means to kind of voice your story and to share what you've been through and to speak more openly and normalize, you know, that we're all human at the end of the day. But this is also Eli's first podcast ever. So Let's very excited. <laughs> um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, first off, thanks for having me. Of course. My name is Elijah. Uh, I was raised here in Vegas. My mom immigrated from the Philippines when I was like three. So if you think about it, I'm technically born and raised here in Vegas. As far as my last name is concerned. <laughs> oh my, did I, I said your first name, right? Did I, did I say Eli? Yeah, it's the same I, thing. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I was so concentrated on the last name, I fucked up the first name. Oh my God. Off to a great start. We're actually friends. I do know his name, just FYI. <laughs> Fuck. Should we run the, no, let's just keep it. We're gonna keep it. Okay. We're gonna keep it. But, okay, uh, carry on. <laughs> as far as my last name is concerned, because. Even the, uh, even when I enlisted in the military, no one can ever get my last name right. So they came up with a nickname for me in the military, and they just called me Red. I was like, "That's I am totally okay with that." But my Instagram is Elijah uh, Water Bottle, and how I got Water Bottle was way back in middle school. A really close friend of mine was just like, "Yo, like Red Oblato sounds like Water Bottle." <laughs> I'm just going to call you water bottle. I was like, yeah. And it stuck. And it stuck. <laughs> From that point on, it stuck. But yeah, as far as as far as my life journey is concerned, it's been it's been interesting. Um I think the military kind of shaped me up or rocked me in a certain way where it made me appreciate life a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um just in the what the real battle for me didn't happen until I got home, which is pretty is the sad part because when I went overseas, I fought to get home, right? Mm-hmm. And the hardest part for me was when I got home, quote unquote, safely. That's when the real war began. Did you anticipate that being the case at all? Not at all. Yeah, like, I figured. I came, you know, especially coming from, like, a Filipino family, like, we're we're big on that word family. But that kind of, that changed for me when I got older 
because I went through a pretty traumatic experience between the ages of like seven and nine. And to be honest with you, I didn't open up about this particular experience until I was like 30 to my own mom. So between seven and nine, I was uh, raped, molested, threatened, like with a knife on my, uh, like literally on my neck if I told about a family member who was raping me for like two years, right? So in a situation like that, I didn't have the tools back then to, you know, guide guide myself through that particular trauma. Right. You don't know how to navigate it in the moment, especially that young. Right. And then it 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 became it it hurts so much just because this particular family member was always around. There have been times where, like, I would have to lie to my own mom because she'd be like, why are you walking funny? Right? And I'm like, what like, do you say as a kid who doesn't like, understand? Uh, yeah, like, uh, I fell off the bike. I fell off the skateboard. You know what I'm saying? Because I knew if I said something, I was – this particular person left that fear in me that if I say something, it's just going to get worse. Right. Right? It's almost like a grooming thing. Right. So that that's like one part of like my young life that I that to this day still it still sucks yeah. obviously but as I got older like there was some drama with like my dad so the whole family portion kind of got rocked yeah, especially with that culture when, like you said, it is so tightly knit, almost like having something come out like that, I feel like is even harder to compartmentalize, probably even for the rest of your family as well as yourself. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But And I think being in the military and all the trauma that I've been in the military, like really, once again, it made me appreciate just the littlest things. Um, as soon as I got home, you know, I was... I was probably maybe three weeks out um, after get like being free from the military, right? But that's when that was like the very first time where like I premeditated my suicide. I there was just something about being overseas multiple times, like it it shaped it shaped me differently. You know, I've seen my friend get shot in the head. I've seen. People get blown up. I've gotten blown up, you know, like. You see things that normal people don't see. You don't expect to ever see those things. Even going in, I think when you actually see it in front of your face, it's, I don't even know how I would understand that. You know what I mean? Right there, like, that's where I would never, ever, ever want any of my loved ones, like yourself or just like anyone that I know, to even try to understand like what the guys in that uniform have gone through. Yeah. Right. Um, everyone's going to have their own political, like political reasons or whatever, but the way I viewed it at that time, it's either my brother gets home or he doesn't. It's that, it's that it's black and white. It's black and white. Yeah. And, you know, seeing that, it we take uh, to be honest with you like after especially a city like vegas we take everything for granted oh yeah 
everything. It's bad. It's really bad. I have to constantly remind. I mean, I, I personally feel like I'm a very grateful person, but that still doesn't mean that there aren't incidents where I get comfortable and forget right. and take things for granted. Oh yeah. And you know, if you look at that on a much larger a larger scale, and also even more detailed about like, the city you live in, we have so much for us and you know you still have people complaining and bitching and whining and just like always seeing the negative in things and i'm like yeah everyone's experience is different like i would never be in the military so i can't get that in relation to it but there are people who are experiencing things much harder than me and that should humble you you know and it should be a good reminder but sometimes it really sucks because until you've really experienced things that perspective shift doesn't happen until something really bad happens to you and it's sad isn't it crazy how it's very rare now to run into humble people? Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> especially it being in is. the industry, right? I hate it. <laughs> I mean, I like I am so I will hmm, I have to say in both sides of this because I have met like some amazing friends from working in the industry that I never thought I'd make because I was like there's no fucking way I'm going to relate to any of y'all motherfuckers like <laughs> No offense, but like that was like my first impression going into the industry because I'm like this We're in a money-hungry city fueled with alcohol drugs and sex and entertainment. Let's be realistic like that's a you're 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 being thrown to the wolves, you know most people are here on vacation But when we're talking to people you're working with, you know, it's just a it's an interesting industry But I have made some like really really good Connections, but also you see the worst you see the worst and it's very easy to let this industry really jade you. And I've seen it. Yeah, like it. the humbling part of my whole military experience or just my life in general literally comes down to like this particular bracelet that I wear. Right. So in the military, you know, anytime you'll see like females, males wear this particular band on the bracelet, it's what we call a hero band. So that's that's it's straightforward. Like these are two of my buddies that passed away. Um, but the reality that I stepped into was that this this bracelet that I have only has two names. It should have, it should have eleven because it didn't it it didn't hit me until I got home where everything that I fought for was when, when, I'm, when I'm home, mm-hmm. which made no sense to me because I'm fighting for my life over there. But w- when I come home, I'm just a t- like, I'm numb. I'm numb to everything, especially being, you know, in a city full of just like fake people. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, and like, I'm walking around. I could be a walk around Target. I'm just like, <laughs> what is going, like, what is this world that I'm in right now? I'm sure it's a, like a, almost like culture shock. Yes. Like, yeah. Yes. I mean, I I can't imagine, but I'm trying to imagine to the best of my ability. It's it's, the way I I like to describe it is. I like to tell people like, what would you what would life be like for you, if you didn't have a bed. Like the normal things you get to experience every single day. A bed. <laughs> something as simple as the bed or even something like a chair that we're sitting in, right? Cuz I've been I've 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 been through it. Like I've I've taught myself to sleep standing up. <laughs> right? That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
<laughs> right? But the the thing that got me when when I came home was suicide. Mm. Period. Had you ever had any of those feelings before, ever in your life? No. Even even being molested as That's a child. That's what I was gonna ask. Yeah. yeah even b- being molested as a child, the whole the whole shit with my like my like my dad splitting up the whole family and just walking out. Um, breakups, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like this you know, pure this pu- purely came from post war. Correct. Mm-hmm. Man, like just in just from 2018 is when I got out to where sitting at like today i've lost nine people that's a lot just from suicide too eight of them were my teammates so i think i'm not gonna i'm not gonna choke (laughs) the the thing that gets me every time is we have this whatsapp chat and my teammates who committed are still in that chat so it's like we went from you know 15 guys and now it's just a single digit and that's like that's hard to look at it is it's like it's too much i don't know i don't even know how to explain it that's it has like an eerie feeling to it especially when you guys are all that close too and that that right there like when when say example like when you said earlier that you're trying to understand Mm -hmm. that's the one thing i try to push if you want to try to understand, is that camaraderie that we had, right? Is when when we talk about like we've been through it together, yo, like we've been through it together. To where we were, I remember there been a couple times we were out in the fields, like overseas, and like we had no blanket, nothing. We we would literally have to get down to like our our silks, which is like these booty booty shorts, and just, <laughs> just to keep each other warm. Yeah, but. It was once again during that time. It's either we go home together, or we don't. Where were you guys deployed? Afghanistan mostly. Been to Iraq, so those two countries were probably like the those two were the ones I went the most. But being, it doesn't. The way I view it, once again, is it every veteran is going to view things differently. But the way I viewed it was the mission was to bring the guys home, period. Regardless of how cynical certain missions can be, how fucked up missions can be, how, how easily, how, how if we plan one thing within the snap of a finger, it could go the complete opposite direction if you get ambushed or whatever. But the mission... It's always going to be, let's bring the guys home. Right. And there's nothing more that gets under my skin when I hear other people's views about like, oh, we just, the most common one, oh, you guys kill kids, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, were you even there? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Do you even understand what actually is happening or happened at this moment? It, it's not even just, do you understand like this moment? Like, do you understand what war is right how would you explain that to somebody who had that response to you uh to be honest with you, you, like, you even... i just yeah i was gonna say it might it might just be that like 
that's you just need to like let it go because you might not be able to have them understand you and i'd rather have it that way yeah because that kind of puts that kind of puts me in that position to where like i was talking about earlier is that when i came home i did not realize just how arrogant we were as a as a society as a society oh yeah until i, can I got home right it's just so crazy that during that time, like, I'm doing everything, sleepless nights. Like, I'm, I'm trying my best to make sure I get home. And that is, to be honest with you, that, like, anytime we leave the house and we always text a loved one over, like, hey, I'll be right back. I'll be home in, like, 30 minutes or whatever. That is the most, like, we take, the, we take that shit for granted. Yeah. Because it's a whole different story for, for me because one of my teammates, you know, he didn't, one of my teammates didn't make it, right? We had to bring him home in a casket covered in an American flag. We take that shit for granted. Because, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we take that shit for granted. There's there's nothing more that that breaks my heart when it's a military funeral. Because I've been through way too much. Too many. I've been too many. It's, too much sorry <laughs> and it's crazy to me because you know no parent should ever bury their child yeah but it's I've, hard to watch honestly i've seen it and it 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 just breaks me because like i i i've given that flag to like a family member before and that's why it goes back to the whole point of the conversation is like, do we just take shit for granted? Yeah, like, we do. I, like, for sure. I still suffer from PTSD. I'm on like four different medications. I can't I get nightmares. <sighs> and it's been how and it's been how long now since you got back? You said twenty nineteen? Twenty eighteen when I got out. Yeah. So imagine imagine all the trauma that I went through and I still can't have this quote unquote normal normal days right. yeah um i was gonna back up really quick when you were overseas how did you compartmentalize what you were doing was there fear how did you handle your fear how did you handle your day-to-day -day? oh no one's really asked me that question really <laughs> yeah but well, i'm just thinking about it because i mean my traumas are small in comparison to anything you've been through. Trauma's trauma. Trauma's trauma. I get that. And but I like to ask people how they dealt with it because when I was dealing with my own trauma, I didn't realize what I was doing in survival mode in the moment to kind of keep myself stable. And now looking back on it, I'm like, wow, there are all these things that I had to do to keep myself, you know, afloat. And now we're talking someone like yourself who's actually in war. You know, that that's a different kind of fear. This is life or death. We were trained to do that. Right. It's that's I think that's where we had that's where we had that advantage. Like I was to this day, um I'm still willing to sacrifice my own life for not just the country, but for my loved ones. Mm -hmm. And trust me, like everyone can have their own view about this country, but I love this country so much. There's a reason why I put that uniform on. Right. There's a reason why I earned that uniform. You know, there's a reason why, like, my brothers did what they did, especially even after, even the aftermath of dealing with the mental stuff, is that we did that just so when I look around, like, my little cousins, 
little nieces, nephews just kind of running around. I'm like, that shit was worth it. Yeah. Right. It's the bigger picture. 100%. Yeah. Did you always know you wanted to go into the military or what, what like prompted that? It was crazy. <laughs> no, like, um, no family members. I'm the very first. Wow. Very first. And it was, it's crazy. Cause back in high school, I was in a uh, junior ROTC. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Amber. I'm like, <laughs> I, like, I love Amber. I love that Amber has a microphone. I was, I was about to say, I was like, I think there's something wrong with my headphones. <laughs> no, it's just me in the background saying, ugh. Yeah, junior was, ROTC yeah, gives was, me flashbacks too. Yeah, I, was, I was a junior ROTC. Wait, did you do it too, Amber? I did. I was in Air Force. Oh, sh- hey, wait, too. what? <laughs> me too. I hated the blue uniform. Wait, even you the were vagina. what? Sorry, I just had a moment. Wait, did you, Amber, did you do all four years? I did. I was going to do four years until my fourth year was coming up and my instructors were pissing me off because they did not want to promote me because I was too much of a uh, how can I say it (laughs) I was too much of a troublemaker a trouble so I couldn't be one of the top commanders (laughs) wait did you did you go to summer leadership school at Nellis to become that officer no so I was in California when I was doing this okay okay (laughs) see sidebar Yeah, but I was a I was in Air Force Junior ROTC for four years. I actually came out of Durango High School, and right after high school, here's the here's the little fun fact about me. <laughs> I used to dance. Really? I used to dance hip hop. Used to pop, break dance, but it was usually just hip hop choreography, hip hop like hip hop freestyle, which is what I was all into. And then after high school. I actually moved out to California to pursue that dance career, but then the moment I got in, I was like, yo, I don't think this is for me, because I didn't realize just how many fake people were in there. It's wild, like in California, Los Angeles. industry, just fake it till you make it. I'm like, that took away that passion. I've been there (laughs) in my own dance dance career, I've been there. So... The military has always been a back of my mind just because of ROTC. And I think it was like in my 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 mid-20s is, a, is when I kind of hit rock bottom. Where I was like, yo, I need to do something with my life. And then that's when I enlisted. Gotcha. Um, so... Let's now fast forward because I, w- I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss like how you got into it. And then I'm I can't just get over Amber. Amber. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so when you you were saying, sorry, I got so distracted when you got out of the military and started having these moments of realization of like society and just your own mental struggles. What were what happened? Like, what steps were you taking to kind of understand what you went through? Or were you just trying to, like, just handle it and, like, learn to survive with it? Two parts to that one. So being a male, right? Yeah. In this general society, from the movies to whatever you see, you're a male is supposed to man the fuck up. Right. Hate that shit. It's like I feel like it's just drilled into society that that's the way it is. But I feel like I feel like there's just it's it's not right. I, I understand. I understand. Like I understand the 
what's the word? I'm so like bad with my words today. I understand the dynamics of like what a man is supposed to be and the characteristics of a man, and, like the protector, provider, just deal with your emotions. Like you need to hold it together for the family and for everyone kind of thing. But also there's a side of it where men are told, shut the fuck up. Don't talk about your emotions. Don't cry. Don't be a bitch. Don't whine. Don't like deal with it kind of thing. And that can also be really toxic. 100%. I totally agree. And when it comes to when it comes to being in this position, you know, like especially being a mental health advocate like for anyone who's watching this who is a male, there's a difference between accepting your vulnerability and just being a bitch about it, right? So when it comes to my vulnerability, especially how I open up, the difference between the difference that separates me from a lot of other guys is just the fact that like I've accepted that this is what I've been through, right? Now, what am I doing about it? Right. Right? Because it isn't fair to, like, the brothers that I've lost that I'm here, you know, I'll never forget what my therapist told me was I never knew (laughs) that there was grieving stages. Mm -hmm. I never knew that. Until it's kind of like a a mind fuck when you actually get that explained to you because it's a whole thing. One hundred percent. Apparently, mm-hmm. there's like seven. <laughs> just like there's like seventeen hundred. Like seventeen. <laughs> just like seven stages. And then when when I was talking to my therapist about this, he showed up was like, "Yo, you're still on the first stage." I was like, "Oh, I still got six more." <laughs> Damn. And what's crazy is that my life. It, as a whole, for as far back as I can consciously remember, I have not gone a single year without losing someone. That's what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. So when my when the most recent one, when my, when my brother passed away through suicide, I was just like, "Damn, that sucks." All right, who's next? Mm. That's so heavy. I. Right. That, that's hard. That's hard to be like. Wow, I'm at this point now that this is just what I'm accepting, and just. And it doesn't mean it. 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 It's numb me. Death has numb me so much to where. I don't even cry anymore. It's just. Okay, I appreciate the memories. It doesn't even have to be a military person. It could be like a close friend. Could be a family member. It's just one of those things. That are like, all right. Who's next? But then. The toxic part about this one, right, is that it's just emotions that are just building. That was I was just going to say. It's just building Mm -hmm. to a point where, once again, the whole, I think that that drill as far as being a man is just keep it to yourself, move on. That, that, that has kicked my ass. Yeah, because like you said, you keep building and building and building and building. One day that, that pressure is just going to explode. And I'm sure that looks different for different people. You know, I I, I have a, a few friends who are guys who, one in particular, I don't want to like put them out there, but like they basically had never felt anything for so long because of so much trauma that they've been through that all of a sudden they, they cracked it open and they don't know how to handle it and they feel like it's the end of the world because they really haven't gone through the process of understanding how to just like manage it. Correct. And one thing my therapist brought up to me was that those those stages of grief, it's not linear either. And this was really interesting for me. He goes, picture it as like a pinball machine. And I was like, this sounds 
bad. Okay, here we go. And he's like, you know, when you shoot the pinballs up, there's all these different things. It's literally like that. Like you could be, you know, in acceptance at one point, but then you can go back to denial. You can go, you know, I I forget what like all five or all seven of them are, but you don't stay in one. It doesn't go like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You kind of can bounce around and that's also normal. But I didn't feel like it was normal. That was what was making me feel fucking crazy. Was like, I should be through this. I, you told me here and I should be here right now. And that wasn't the answer. I was like going nuts. I'm like, why do I still feel like this? Why am I still depressed? Why am I still anxious? Why haven't I accepted it? Why all of a sudden am I denying this whole thing again? But that was my process of grief. And no one had ever explained it to me before either. So I personally just thought it was when someone died, you experienced that, but it's not true either. These are just from trauma in general. You go through periods of grief because it is something that happened to you that is now a part of you and you live with this. It alters your brain chemistry. It alters who you are as a person. And now it's not like you just put it under the rug and move on. You learn to adjust and move forward. Um, and that's also something to accept too. I thought maybe I could say, okay, I'm going to deal with this, accept it and just put it, throw it in the back. It doesn't work like that. It, what, I could not have agreed anymore to what you just said. And to any guys that are like listening to this like my biggest advice is like go ahead like go live live that pride that you have cuz at the end of the day you don't have to tell anyone mm-hmm. right so the whole keep it to yourself roger that like i'll keep it to myself but go get help right you know what i'm saying like go it it is a good friend of mine <clears throat> made this t-shirt that i have that i should have wore it today was it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Right? So go find a therapist. Like, if if I had to be honest with you, therapy saved my life. Saved my life. Regard, like, don't get me wrong, I've been in and out of therapy. <clears throat> but if it wasn't for therapy, to be I, I wouldn't be here right now because I premeditated my suicide not once but twice. And... It's hard for me to, like, say that, especially, like, here, because I didn't really, like, I I didn't realize how alone I was until recently. But the sad part about it is that if you've seen, like, my Instagram stories or whatever, like, I'm literally blessed and surrounded by so much love, but I still feel alone. That's a hard feeling. Yes. Because it's so contradictory from right. the outside. And and I, this is the part where I'm uh, – this is the journey where I'm trying to figure this part out is, you know, a lot of people always be like, dude, like, you're so charismatic. You're so outgoing. Like, you're, you're loved by everyone. But in my head, I'm just like, I still feel like shit. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's it's that that's the journey that I'm trying to figure out is how to ugh, sounds so freaking ignorant of me, but it's just it's like I'm trying to figure out how to accept that love from everyone. It doesn't sound ignorant because you'd be surprised how many people have expressed this same sentence to me and not even just to me, but I've heard it online. I'm so glad people are sharing more about their mental health in general. Amber is pointing to herself. I. I think it is hard for people to accept love after they've been through 
hard shit, hard shit, and when they feel alone. Do you think it's because we're so giving? Oh, that's a really good question. I kind of put it as people pleasers. Yeah, Yeah, it makes me relate back to being an empath and being a people pleaser because this is something that I struggled with. I mean, I, I don't think those characteristics are necessarily bad, but they can be. Like, Oh, being a people pleaser, you can sometimes put way too many people before, before yourself and do things that are out of character and be self-sacrificial in like relationships and friendships and whatever. And it actually like, you know, brings you down. But there is also a side of these kinds of people that just want to see other people happy so much. But they forget to like make themselves happy. That's me. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> Yo, it's, a, it's a really hard, um, it's really hard. I, I dealt with that for a long time. I went to therapy for that for a long time because I wound up in really toxic relationships because of some of those characteristics. Yeah, it was crazy. And I didn't ever realize those things about myself. And it wasn't until later that I'm like, man, I'm always the one pouring into other people and making sure everyone else is happy. I forgot about me. And now when someone offers me love after abuse i'm like what (laughs) how do you spell that like what is that what is that and that that was that was really hard it took me a long time and i'm still working on it it's an it's a journey for sure things you know don't just change after a few therapy sessions like it takes practice and integration and a lot of a lot of things but i've finally started understanding like i can accept love from other people but i had to allow myself to do it I think right there, that's it's it's the allowing. Yeah, it's one hundred percent the allowing. And because... I don't, I could be wrong, but when you've experienced so much loss, it's really scary to think that you can accept love and understand that that creates more of a bond between you and whoever this person is, friendship, relationship, whatever, and that also gives you them the opportunity to like potentially leave you at some point. My therapist had me in fucking tears one day. I couldn't even breathe because I, I don't even know how she did it. She's a miracle worker. But at the end of everything I've been through, she's like, Christina, you're just you don't want to lose anybody else anymore. And I was like, <laughs> you this know, is, uh, like, fuck. <laughs> and it, it, it seemed so childish, like. I just don't want to lose anyone. That's what I, I felt. I felt this inner child in me screaming. That's all it is. Like if you go back to your root and you go back to like who you are as an innocent child and all the things, all the traumas and all the things you've experienced, like when you have so much loss and you have so much trauma, you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. But I I just want to feel love. I want to give love. I want to be in a happy environment. But when you've seen as much as you've seen, it's really fucking hard. So I think it is maybe, I mean, I'm no expert, but allowing yourself to like receive is um, it's healing. It's like so healing. Yeah, that must be nice. <laughs> yeah. That must be nice. It's it's that's something that I I you know one day wish is because you know my brothers have gave their life up for some for something much greater than who they are. Yeah, right? much so, bigger. Living through their 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 legacy, that's what is now ingrained in me is to show who they were. Right. And that's a big purpose. Right. That's so a big purpose. To show them who they were as far as how I show affection to other people, how mm-hmm. I talk to other people, how I talk shit about people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like I live through them. And you're right. Like the whole receiving part, I'm like. 
<laughs> Don't come any closer. <laughs> I might pull my amber over and go. <laughs> Like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. <laughs> but it's 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 crazy because for me, my what was it the 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 whole love language thing? Mm-hmm. Never understand it, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I guess according to like the experts of my friends, they said that my two top ones were like physical touch and words of affirmation. Now, is this how you like to receive love or how you like to give love? I think receive. Yeah, because that was also something interesting (laughs) I figured out was the way I like to give love might not be the way the person on the other end likes to receive it. And I was like, well, that fucks a lot of shit up. Like, wait, what? Yeah, like, think about this. Like, if I, if you and I were in a relationship and I like to receive love as physical touch, let's just say that's my number one, but you don't like it, I can't expect to overload you with physical touch because I like it and have you receive it the same way. Cause you're, you, you're like, I would, I <laughs> this was something like really interesting to me in relationships because like, I realize I need somebody who understands that concept or I just need to understand that my partner's love languages are different than mine and understand how they receive things because I was forcing what I liked to get onto them, but that was completely opposite for them. And then I would feel unloved because I'm like, why don't you, why don't you like this? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like also, like also oblivious to this because for some reason, I just thought the whole physical t- touch, words of affirmation thing was formed because of everything that happened in the military. Wait, what? <laughs> Hear me out. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hear me out. So in the military, like the, they, they, they train you. They, they, they will bury you to the ground, like as far as the mental aspect of it and build you back up. Mm, right? right. So. Mad props to my drill, drill instructor, drill instructors. You know everyone that's been part of that military journey. But for some reason, when it comes to the whole like love languages stuff, I just really thought like that was formed because of everything that was that I went through in the military. So the reason why I was like, yeah, words of affirmation. That's probably a good one because I don't know like all the shit talking that made mm-hmm. me feel like a little person. Mm-hmm. To where if someone says like, hey, I'm proud of you. My drill instructor never told me that. Like, so you're like, what? I was just like, you're what? Like, that made me feel so good. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then when it comes to the physical touch, I want to give me a start with that one just because of the physicality, the military demands, and so forth. So, no, we don't, like, not unless, you know, it's me and the guys. We take, we take bromance to a whole different level, <laughs> right? But it was just one of those things where if someone's like, you know, if someone at work just comes up and just, Puts her arm like around my, you know, just arm lock. I'm just like, whoa, this feels nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's because just... it's been so like not there. Yeah. The opposite. I do think that what you said though does hold some weight though. Not even just military, but whatever way you grew up probably has an effect on how you like to get love. Like I. My girlfriend, for example, she, her parents never told her a lot of good things. It was very tough love. Like they, her dad treated her like a boy is what she said. Like it was very tough. Like, don't cry. You shouldn't cry. And she's like, what? (laughs) But I think she loves words of affirmation because she didn't hear it. So like 
you know, feeling good about herself and being told, I'm proud of you. You did really well. It's it's good. And she seeks that out now. Um, not in a bad way, but I can tell that getting validation that she's doing the right thing calms her. Mm. And I'm like, oh, this is so interesting. It's so interesting. Um, and for a kid who never had nurturing from their mom, like they might really like getting like held by their girlfriend because they're like, oh my God, I feel like this is like that feminine energy I lacked as a kid. So I think that's pretty probably accurate. <laughs> Especially if you were just like talk shit too and like oh, yeah. <laughs> told you were nothing. Yeah, but it ultimately like when it comes to like the physical touch words of affirmation stuff, that is it's 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 just true. Like yeah, um, my mental health has taken a toll because of everything that I've been through. Um, I, I you know this morning woke up crying. Just because, like, the nightmares I get probably, like, three, four times a week. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm literally fighting for my life every single day. But people don't know that. Because mm-hmm. I don't want people to know that. Like, I would rather have you remember me if something were to happen as a person that, like, put a smile on your face. Yeah. Let me, because I, like, going in and out of therapy, um has taught me and given me the tools to handle this shit on quote unquote my own, but obviously open up to people where there's opportunity to. Right. Like today. To make an imp- to pay it forward, make an impact right. on somebody else, that, help somebody else. Like the whole the whole saying about like you are not alone, you are not. You know what I'm saying? Like I might not understand like what you've been through, but I can promise you I'm the greatest fucking listener on this planet, right? And if I could put a smile on your face, I've done my job, right? But my 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 battles are every single day, every single second. I uh, there've been there've been countless nights where I will I can't scream in my own house, right? Cuz there's wood floors, there's tiles everywhere. So no matter if I'm upstairs, downstairs, in a bedroom, bathroom, whatever, if I scream off the top of my lungs just to release, like, whatever I'm feeling, my neighbors are going to be like, yo, what the hell was that? Right. Right? So my safe haven has been my car. Mm. I will literally just go into my car, scream, cry for, like, 20, 30 minutes, and then I'm like, all right, everything's going to be okay. So... When it comes to the vulnerability part, for especially for us guys, it's okay. It's it's one hundred percent okay to be vulnerable because I didn't realize how vulnerable I was until I was in Afghanistan, and I didn't have my kit on or whatever. And an indirect fire, which is pretty much a rocket, blew up right in front of me. And the last thing I remember was the ground shaking and the smell of gasoline. But that's where the vulnerability part kicks in is that we're trained to do certain things, but you weren't trained to handle that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like if if someone were to shoot at me or whatever, like I'm trained to shoot back. Then when it comes to something where like, you know, it's just another day in Afghanistan and then next thing you know, a rocket comes in. That's that's where I've that's where I learned how vulnerable I really was as a person. Right. So. Even even with my brothers that have committed suicide, they're in my nightmares. Mm. Like I'm, I there's this one 
one particular nightmare that gets me every single time, and it's it it kills me. Is it reoccurring? One hundred percent. And I memorize it to the T as far as like what's happening. And when I try to fight back out of this nightmare, that's where sleep my sleep paralysis kicks in. Oh my and there, god! And this this particular demon that I see is there every time. And because I'm trying to fight to like, I don't want to fucking go through this shit. Right. And it's and and it is a re- reoccurring nightmare where the moment there's like this light switch, the I know I'm in a deep sleep when there's a bright light switch and it goes off. I'm like, oh, and I'm just like in a deep REM sleep and I'm like, oh fuck, like here we go. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, are there any ways that you deal with these? Like, I'm still trying to find that. Right. But I, I'm not trying to let it define like my whole, my whole entire day. Right. Let's say, is there anything that you do like after you wake up from these nightmares or say like you explain you wake up in the morning and it was just that kind of morning where you woke up crying, you may have had a nightmare. What do you do to kind of restart your morning so you can like not carry that with you as best as you can? I do my bed. (laughs) (laughs) I do my bed. Go downstairs, take my pre-workout, go to my garage, and then just go ham yeah. in the garage. So like, tra- training is a good release then? 100%. Yeah. Like, I am that person at the gym. That's why I th- I, I'm pretty sure that's why I cancel my gym membership because <laughs> I am that screamer. <laughs> I I will scream. <laughs> I will. I, Eli's here. <laughs> Eli Water Bottle is here <laughs> representing all junior ROTC cadets. What? <laughs> <laughs> But but that's why having my own home gym is that's my therapy. It's like a little sanctuary. Yeah, that, yeah. You've seen you've seen my stories. Like, yeah, uh, my home gym is no. That's my therapy. That's probably a good point to bring out to people too. Is to you know find whatever your own way of like processing your trauma is. Um, there's a lot of good that comes with moving your body physically to release stored trauma yes. because. Trauma is stored physically in your body as well as your brain. Um, I learned that as well. And I thought that was really, really interesting, especially being into fitness. I'm like, what do you mean it's in my physical body? But it but it is. It's like imprinted in you. And two, if you get into like the spiritual world and all of like the meditation and body movement therapy and all the things that they're doing, you know, getting out and releasing some of that stagnant energy is it actually makes you feel really good and whether that's training in a gym going to dance going to yoga going on a hike and just being in an environment change where you feel smaller and you can see you know not just the four walls of your home i feel like really helps um people get really stuck like they get stuck they get frozen they get numb when they're processing trauma and i feel like that's when it gets can be really 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 fucking scary and getting out and finding a release is so important and i think guys would relate a lot to going and training because it makes you feel strong it makes you feel good it gets those endorphins out and you feel like a badass after you lift a bunch of weight like just as simple as that and it i 100% agree 100% agree so I'm not sure if you get these questions a lot from like friends or even people that have been on this podcast when people ask like, you know, what's the first step when, if I'm feeling like this? Like if I'm feeling depressed, if my anxiety is high. To be honest with you, it like it once like I can't speak on behalf of everyone, but usually what I tell people is like, trust me, just get up, just get up, Move. go outside and just walk down to your mailbox and come right back and just tell me if you feel anything different. Yeah. It's huge. 
just getting out of the stuck thing. Yes. Because I also will say like, you could ask me that question and I'm, I'm going to tell you if I'm in that moment, I don't know what to do. Cause in that moment I'm like, should I go for a walk? Should I go dance? Should I go train? I feel so overwhelmed that I just get like almost like analysis paralysis. Like when you're being creative, yeah. like you just, there's so many options that I'm just like, I'm just going to go back to sleep because this is too much for me. And that's okay too. Like don't feel bad about yourself if like you feel stuck, but I think making it simple, like what you just said, just step outside for a second, get a breath of fresh air and like take a second and see if you feel any different and then go from there. But you have to start taking those like little steps before you take a giant step. Right. Um, and also, you know, conquering those little things are going to make you feel more confident, which, you know, it's not going to cure anything, but it's going to help. So I think that's a really good point. And th that's the one thing people need to really understand and accept is that I think here in the society that we live in now, we want results. Instantly. Like, like that. You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? But for anyone that's had like, you know, depression, PTSD, whatever mental health stuff they have, it's that journey. You know what I'm saying? Um, that is kind of where I put my foot down on that one is that it is a journey. Like I, like I said, I wake up, I wake up every day depressed. I, especially getting off early morning, you know, from the industry, going home, you know, there have been times I'll just drive on the freeway speeding and just thinking like, fuck it, like, this might be it. Like, I'll, I'll have suicidal thoughts almost every other day, you know, on top of the nightmares that I get, but I also have to remember that this is just part of the journey. Like, being in and out of therapy, thank God I found, like, a new therapist that just gets me. So currently right now, like, my depression and my suicidal thoughts are just skyrocketed just because I hate opening up jars that I thought I stored away. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hate it. So it's just... It's a really, like... I My, my whole body's clenching right now because I know exactly what you're talking about. Right? Yeah. So it's just, like... I knew this was gonna happen just because I it, it's it's a it's a new therapist. So oh yeah, they have to like dig a little have bit, to dig in. So it's just like I I think it was it, at this time it's okay because I have the tools now to you know mentally prepare for this. But just opening the jars as far as like you know my childhood trauma, the family trauma, military trauma, everything that happened in the military, post military. I'm just like. Like this oh my god <laughs> you know what i'm yeah. saying like it's it's heavy and once again being a guy like i take pride in that because i'm not i don't have to tell anyone that i'm going to therapy that's my it's for you that's me right so for all the guys like it's it's get help like it is okay to ask for help you know what i'm saying like and I know damn well a lot of guys get help because I know a lot of them do, will do the did you know like videos. I'm like, where'd you learn that from? Yeah, you're like, hmm. You, you got help. TikTok helped you. And YouTube helped you. And it's a good you, thing. And it's a great thing. Yeah. And there's this one quote. Oh, my gosh. I, like, I, like I saw this online and then it, it just sunk with me. And it was just like, what did it say? Oh, it's like no one will ever understand the violence it took to be this gentle. 
And every single, like, just saying that, like, I'm already getting goosebumps. Like, and it's true. Like, I can be a violent person. Because I'm, I'm very protective. That's just my nature, right? But with, but with that violence, I can also, you know, it's taught me how to be gentle and be loving. Right. Right? To where that violence that I can hold within to protect you is it, it's 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 kind of a blessing just because like that's what I've been trained to do is to protect. So when 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 I had that opportunity and I told my therapist this, I was like, I feel so violent and so raged inside that I'm scared I'm never gonna love again. Mm. And that's, like, a really deep thing to be able to even say out loud. You know what I mean? Right. And then when I told, when I told my therapist that, my therapist straight up, was, straight up was like, you will love again. You just need to learn how. Because you were taught to, you know, be violent. You were wired. That's what mm-hmm. you were taught to do. But... If you can look back to the days before the military or whatnot and how you were, it's there. You just have to find it. So that to me, like, it 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 gets me every time because that's all I want to do. You know what I'm saying? It's like I just want to love again because that that is – I've never really said this to anyone, so it's just crazy how I'm saying this publicly. <laughs> but it's just like like ultimately at the end of the day, like, you know how, like, every therapist is t- telling you, like, what is your goal? Like, what are you trying to accomplish here? First off, not trying to be all fucked up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But the, I, I, I've told my, my recent therapist this. Um, God bless her. Uh, I was like, my ultimate goal is to love again. Because I'm so, like, crunched up in this, like, shell that I don't even think I know how to love. Even though my friends might see otherwise, but deep down inside, I don't feel. You don't that. feel it, right? Yeah, that one, and I might, I might have to add this to the, to the other list is accepting love. Yeah, for sure, and I think those will go hand in hand at some point too. But I'm really glad I could provide a safe enough space for you to say all of that. So thank you for sharing that. I Absolutely. really appreciate it. Um, I really think that. The more this stuff gets talked about, the more people are going to feel okay. And um, that's why I think there is such a beautiful part of social media, even though social media can be like crazy and fake and and toxic. I think that there also is a portion of people that still want to share and heal the collective. And that's another reason why I got into podcasting to begin with. So I want to thank you for that. Is there anything else you'd like to kind of like leave the audience with? I think the last thing is just, you know, if if you see my Instagram on there, like hit me up. Hit me up. Like I I I will I will talk to you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I will talk to you. And when it comes to everyone's mental health and so forth, like do everything that you can to take care of it because we only it's literally that whole mod like yellow. Like you only live once. So Take care of your mental health because if you don't have – if your mental health isn't where it 
as far as like health is concerned, everything else is going to fall apart. Yeah, 100%. Right. And then for any parents that have kids that are going into high school, do not put them into junior ROTC. <laughs> Unless you want them to be unless, like a unless square. Unless you want them to be Amber. <laughs> You're going to be a badass child. <laughs> oh, the only reason noted. why I went in is to give discipline to myself. Oh Don't my do it. God. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Eli. Thank and you so much. It, oh my God, I keep doing it now. Elijah, what is fucking wrong with me? Because you're so focused on my last name. I was going to say. <laughs> What's my last name? You. <laughs> Redoblado. Yes. <laughs> I don't think you know how much I've been struggling with this. But um, thank you so much for your service and everything that you've done and taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Really fucking proud of you. And maybe we can do more of these in the future. And thank you, Amber, for everything and tuning in, to, uh, um, tuning in from behind the desk with this podcast. <laughs> but like. <laughs> I'm so like not proud of myself with how terrible I've done with like speaking today. Um, but anyways, we are all we are all learning, all on a journey, right? Right. Yes. Um, but like he said, his DMs are always open as are mine. So make sure you guys hit us up if you have any questions at all. Please don't ever feel afraid to reach out and ask for help, ask for guidance. Even if you don't know where to go for resources, there is somebody out there that will help you. So I just want to let you guys know that our DMs are always open. And we'll see you next time on Fearless as Fuck.